Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. We're glad all of you are here today. Happy Easter. Listen, I want you to know no matter who you are, no matter where you're at this morning, no matter where you've been before coming today, I want you to know that you are welcome here. You are welcome in God's house. You're welcome in his family. You're welcome to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And today, we're going to teach you and talk to you a little bit about how you can come just as you are to Jesus. I'm going to talk about barriers today. And barriers can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Barriers that keep you on the road, driving in the direction that you want to go, those are, those are good things. Barriers that keep you from falling over the edge of a cliff is a good thing. But there's also some, some bad barriers, things that can keep us from going where we're supposed to go. And in life, God has a plan for you. If you don't know that, God loves you. He created you. He has a story for your life. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about his story and how it impacts our story. And today, I want you to know, whether you realize it or not, that God wrote you into existence, that he knew you before your parents ever even met each other, that he had an idea of who you were going to be, that he wrote a story for your life. And it's coming into that knowledge of who he is and what he's done for you that really will be the game changer in your life, where you'll find purpose and you'll find meeting. But there's barriers often in our lives that keep us from discovering the story that God has written for us and the purpose that he has for our life. You know, some barriers are meant to be broken. For instance, for example, when I first met my wife, she was dating my roommate. Before you go judging me, But God had to remove him so I could then make my move, right? And I waited patiently for that removal to happen. And believe it or not, he gave us his blessing. And after they had broken up for multiple months, I then swept her off her feet and stole her, brought her here to Ohio from Wisconsin. But some barriers need to be removed in your life. Some things that are in the way between you and the destiny that God has for your life need to be removed. There was a big barrier that separated all of us from God. It was called sin. Isaiah 59.2 says that sin separated us from God and something had to be done to remove this barrier of sin. And that's what we celebrate this morning, that Jesus left heaven. He came to earth as the son of God, that he lived and then died in our place, that he broke the barrier of sin so that you and I could approach God, that we could come to God, that we could come into the knowledge of who he created us to be. It's been said that your perception is your reality, right? Your perception, what you perceive to be true, no matter whether it's true or not, it's true to you. And some of you have been living with a false reality, with a skewed perception of who God is. And the devil has twisted your view and distorted it to where you don't see God for who he truly is. You don't see God for the the true plan that he has for your life and barriers have been built in your life to keep you from coming to experiencing who God is and the plan that he has for you. And today we're going to talk through some of those most common barriers that can get between us and God that can prevent us from fully experiencing 
who he is. The Bible says that we're changed, our perception is changed and it, with the truth of God's word and that the truth will set you free, that it will shed a light today on the reality of who God really is and what he means to you in your life. So what are some of these barriers that keep us from coming to Jesus? And today, I've had to sandwich, there's a lot of them, but I had to kind of sandwich them into these four categories because to be honest, I'm just short on time today, okay? I don't have a lot of time. We got to get you in and get you out because there's more people coming after you. And there was more people here before you this morning. So are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt. Everybody just kind of go like this, go like that. Just, just do it with me. Buckle in because I'm going to fly through this this morning and try to hopefully break some of these barriers with the truth of God's word. So what would be the first barrier today that would keep you possibly from coming to Jesus? I believe it would be doubt. Maybe you're the type of person that says, I need to see it in order to believe it, right? I want tangible proof, right? Take me to the spot. Show me how it happened. Give me proof of this thing called faith. And you struggle to put your faith and trust in God and Today, I want to say this, though. Although we may not be able to see him this morning, I can tell you from my own personal life and testimony that although you can't see God, you can experience God. You can sense God. You can sense his leading. You can sense his peace. You can sense his love for you today. You go, well, hey, this faith and trust thing, it's not easy for me. It's hard. It's difficult. And it's okay. I get that. I want you to know today that you're normal. In fact, some of Jesus' closest friends, the 12 disciples, those who he did his three years of ministry with before he left this earth, they doubted Jesus all the way up until the very end, doubted him, didn't trust him. They saw him raise people from the dead and doubted him. They saw him heal blind people and lame people and still doubted him. They saw him and teach and thousands of people get saved and begin to follow him and his crowds grew. They saw all of this, yet they still doubted. One of those guys' names was Thomas. And in John chapter 20, we we get a little bit of Thomas's story. And it says Thomas was one of the 12. He was one of Jesus' closest guys. He was a disciple. And Jesus had come back from the dead and some of the disciples had seen him and were talking with him. And so Thomas wasn't there probably because he doubted, right? And they come back to Jesus. They come back to Thomas saying, we have seen Jesus. We've seen the Lord. He came back from the dead. And Thomas says this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, which that's kind of gross, right? He said, then I will believe. He was, I need to see it to believe it type of God. And then it says a week later, so Jesus let him kind of sit there for a while. You know what I mean? Jesus does that sometimes. When you doubt, he goes, all right, I'm going to let that marinate for a little bit. I'm going to put that in the crock pot. (laughs) Sometimes things need to be put in the crock pot for Jesus to really get through to us. So he lets it sit there for a while. And it says they were in a house and Thomas was with the disciples. It says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them. Now imagine you're in a locked room with some of your friends and there's no way to get in and all of a sudden Jesus is there among you, (laughs) right? Again, proving himself. Hey, I am who I say I am. And he says, peace be with you. I don't come to judge you. Hey, I come to bring peace. And then he says to Thomas, Thomas didn't say a word. Thomas didn't get a word in yet because Jesus knew his doubt. Jesus could sense it. He he knew where he was at. He says to Thomas, come here, go ahead. Imagine Jesus, right? Jesus wasn't like, Thomas, come here, put your finger, right? These were his friends, right? And they doubted him. And and Jesus, like, over and over again was like, these guys just don't get it. So this is how Jesus probably was. He's like, Thomas, bro, hey, come here, man. 
Dude, again, really? This is where we're at? Go ahead. Put your finger in there. Go ahead. Yep. Come on. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you, my child. Do it. Right? And he says, stick your hand in my side. And then he finally says this, Thomas, come on, man. Wake up, buddy. Stop doubting and just believe. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus will show you, just like he did Thomas, the reality of his resurrection, the reality of who he is, the true perception of who he is. He will eliminate your doubt, but in order to do that, you got to give him a chance, just like Thomas did. you got to come to him. you got to accept the invitation. Come here. Test me out. Try me out. Another guy that struggled was Peter. Peter was Jesus' like best friend, right? He was the one that Jesus looked at him and said, hey, I'm going to leave this earth someday, and you're going to be the one. I'm picking you. You're the guy who's going to establish my church. And we're here today because of Peter and what he did. But leading up to Jesus' death in John 18, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus three different times. He saw everything that Thomas saw. He saw Jesus do all these things. Jesus told him that he was going to deny him. Jesus told him that he was going to die and then come back from the dead. And yet Thomas, or I'm sorry, Peter still was doubting Jesus. And then Jesus dies and Peter immediately goes back to his day job. And maybe some of you have been like that, where you tried Jesus out and then you began to doubt and you just went back to your old lifestyle. That's what Peter did. He went back to fishing. But then Jesus, because he's so good, because he loved Peter and because nothing could negate the calling and purpose that he had on Peter's life, Jesus comes back from the dead and he goes and finds Peter. Today, maybe God is finding you. And you see, Peter's doubt was about to keep him from fulfilling his calling, but God wasn't done with him yet. How many of you remember good old WWF wrestling? I'm not talking about this stuff they put on TV today. I'm talking about the good old days of macho man Randy Savage, right? And, and the ultimate warrior, right? And the Hawkster, right? The Hawk Hogan, right? The good old days. I remember as a kid just being enamored with these guys. I loved watching it, and I believed it was real. It was real, right? Had to be real. These guys were amazing athletes. This was real deal. And, and Hawk needed to defeat macho man so he could get Queen Elizabeth, right? He needed her. And I can remember watching, and the Hulk was down, and, and everybody thought he was out. And you remember those days, the, the referee would get down on the mat, right? And he would go, one, and he would bang on the mat. He'd go, two, and if he got the three, you were out. It was over, right? But not with the Hawkster, right? The Hawkster would let him get to 2.9, right? 2.9, and the Hawkster would go, Ugh. And the hawkster would come back. He'd get up. He'd bounce off the ropes. He'd put him in a move and boom, Macho Man was done. And the hawkster would come back. And some of you, maybe you feel like that. You're like Peter. It's like, man, there's like no time left. And I feel like I'm about to just be out of the game completely. My doubt is about to knock me out. But today, just like Peter, man, you can have the faith that you need. When Jesus comes back from the dead, he meets Peter. He asks him in John 21 three different times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He says, yes. And Peter even begins to get a little frustrated. He's like, Lord, you know that I love you. I'm so sorry. He felt so bad for denying him. And though he denied him three times, Jesus reaffirms three different times his love and his purpose for him. And he reaffirms the calling on Peter's life. And even though he doubted and his doubt was this close to knocking him out, he was just gonna go back to being a fisherman, that Jesus' resurrection changed everything for Peter. 
It changed everything. Before his resurrection, he denied him. After his resurrection, he was willing to die for him. Before his resurrection, he doubted him. After his resurrection, he was willing to go through, no matter what he went through, to prove his existence, to prove that he was real. The resurrection changed everything for Peter, and it can change everything for you this morning. You see, after the resurrection, Peter went on to spread the story and the message of hope and the good news of Jesus until he was murdered, okay? Listen, if you ever doubt the existence of Jesus, you go, is this guy even real? Did this really even happen? Is the Bible even real? These men denied him multiple times up until his death. They doubted. When they saw a resurrected savior, when he came back from the dead, they immediately went from doubters to people who were willing to give their life for the gospel. And these 12 men who had their doubts ended up, all of them except one, being martyred and killed for their faith. Nobody dies for something that didn't really happen. You see, the resurrection changed everything where they finally had an accurate perception of who Jesus was and they said, he is the son of God. Thomas finished that. He said, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, you are who you say you are. You're someone I can put my faith in because you conquered death. This morning, no matter where you're at, I believe Jesus is telling you, stop doubting and believe. I did live. I did die. I did come back from the dead. And I am worthy of all of your trust and all of your hope. Don't let your doubt knock you out. Even if you believe just a little, even if you just got a little bit left in you, Jesus says, that's all I need to work with. That's all I need this morning, a little bit of faith will go a long ways. Don't let your doubt knock you out. Maybe you have the barrier of hurt in your life. It's another one. Bad circumstances, things that have happened to you in your life have caused you to doubt the reality of God's love for you, the purpose that he has for your life. Maybe it was the death of a loved one that you prayed and you believed that God was gonna help them and it didn't happen. Maybe you've suffered through miscarriages and no matter how hard you try, it never seems like it's gonna happen. You're not going to be able to have the family that you want. Maybe you suffered at the hands of someone who did terrible things to you as a child and you were abused and you still carry that hurt with you. Maybe it was a divorce where you put your faith in someone and they cheated on you and they turned their back on you and left you. You see, we live in a fallen world and many of us, because of this one question, have allowed the barrier of hurt from approaching God the way he wants us to. And it's this question of, why did God let that happen to me? Why does God allow bad things to happen? If God is so good, Kyle, the way you're saying it, why are things so bad for me right now? And today, there really isn't a good answer to this difficult question. But let me try to do my best to bring a little clarity for you today. The first thing you need to understand is this, is that God's ways are higher than our ways. We can't fully understand him. He created this universe with the words of his mouth. God is big. He's over all things. He sees the beginning from the end. And the problem is, is we only see the here and now. And so we have to put our faith in this one who knows how the story plays out. And it's tough to trust him with our story because we can't see it, but we have to trust that he does. And I want to be clear today. Although God may allow things to happen, it doesn't mean that he wanted it to happen. It doesn't mean that it was his desire for you to have hurt. But the second reality that we have to realize is that God gives us this thing called free will. He gives us the ability to choose. That's how it works. We have to choose him. We have to choose to put our faith in him. It's a choice that he all makes. Otherwise, God would have just made us all pre-programmed robots that would have done whatever he wanted. 
No one wants to live that way. We want to have the ability to choose. And so God gives us the ability to choose. He doesn't make you or me do anything. He wants us to choose the right the right things. He wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose to follow his ways. But unfortunately, not everybody does that. Some people choose God. Some people choose his love and his ways. And other people choose evil. And unfortunately, there is pain and suffering and tragedy in this world because some people choose to be selfish. Because some people are uncaring and they're hurtful. And much of the world's suffering results from the sinful actions or inactions of people like you and me. You see, when sin entered the picture with Adam and Eve, the earth was cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease began to happen. Pain and death became a part of the human experience. Although God did not create evil and suffering, he did create the potential for it because he gave us this thing called free will. And his hope and desires, all of us would choose him. But after all, it was us, human beings, in our free will in the garden that brought evil into reality. So today, the best answer I can give you is this, is we live in a flawed, in a fallen world full of flawed people who unfortunately make bad choices that we can suffer the consequences of. You know, when my wife and I first got pregnant with our daughter, many of you know our, our story, but many of you don't. It was our first child. We were really excited and, and would just, you know, pray every day. I'd, I'd put my hands over that belly like a microphone and I'd say, God, bless this baby. And we would pray and believe that God was going to bring us a healthy and strong baby, the prayer of every person, right? You always ask people, do you want a boy or a girl? They're like, I just want a healthy baby, right? That's all you want. And so that's what we prayed for. Well, we just want a healthy baby. But when Riley was born, she was born with a very rare heart defect that required open heart surgery at five weeks old. It was one of the most challenging times of our lives where we literally placed our baby into those hands and said, God, we can't do anything here. We trust you. And I don't know why that happened. I don't understand why it happened to me. I prayed it wouldn't happen. We prayed for a healthy baby. And I, and I don't know why it happened. I don't know why she had to go through that. I don't know why we had to go through that. I don't know why bad things happened to you. But I do know this, that even in the midst of our hurt, Jesus offered us hope. Because of his death, because of his resurrection, I was not without hope. I could place my faith in the one who knew my daughter before I did, who loved her more than I did, who had a plan for her greater than anything I could ever imagine. So that's what I did. I didn't understand why, but I placed my hope in the one who did. Jesus is the only one who can take tragedy and turn it into triumph in your life because that is what he did on the cross and that is what he still does for you and me today. Psalm 34, 16 through 18 says this, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. Look, I don't know why bad things happen, but I do know that God hears your cries, that he heard my cries when I prayed for him to move and to touch my baby girl. And thankfully today, she's five years old and God heard my prayer and he healed my child and she will run circles around you all day long. So I don't know why that happened, but I do know that God is still good. And today, I don't know why things have happened to you and you're still hurting and why you're going through what you go through, but I encourage you to do what the psalmist said. Cry out to God. He hears you. He is still good. He loves you and he can turn your situation for good, but you have a choice to make as a free will human being. What are you gonna choose to do? You can either hold on to your hurt and keep it and let it keep you from 
following God and having a relationship with him, or you can reach out for the hope that he offers and let it go. Say, God, I was hurt. It wasn't fair. But God, I'm going to trust you anyway. And if you do that, I think you'll realize that there is no pain that his purpose can't redeem in your life. And he will use that to live his story through your life. Some people doubt. Some people stay away from God because of the hurt that they've experienced. Some people are just afraid. And they have this barrier of fear. And maybe this sums up how you've viewed church and God, where you think, I'm not good enough. I'm too far gone. It's too late for me. You don't know what I've done. There's no way that God would accept me. With what I've done and what I've been through and where I've been, there's no way that God would welcome me. There's no way that God loves me. And maybe you have a reflection of God that you have from your earthly father who maybe left you or who maybe was very hard on you and who maybe said things into your life that you're not good enough and you'll never accomplish anything and you've taken on that identity. Listen, that is not your identity. Your identity is not found in anyone but the one who created you. And he has a plan for you. You know, when I was little, when my dad would get, would get mad, you know, when you would, you know, when you push your parents to the breaking point type thing, I don't know why he did it, but my dad would stick his tongue out a little bit and then he would bite his tongue like this. And he'd look all at you all crazy, like, all right? No, none of your other parents did that? I don't know why he bit his tongue. Maybe it kept him and restrained him from killing me. But, but I knew that when he did that look, it was time to stop, right? And if I didn't stop, that the punishment was about to be unleashed on me, right? The belt was going to come off, and I was going to pay the price for what I had done. And you see, maybe that's how you viewed God. Maybe you think God's mad at you. Maybe you think God's disappointed in you. Maybe you think God's just waiting to take off his belt and punish you for what you've done. You see, there is something that's said to be true that God does hate sin, but God doesn't hate you. God hates sin because of what it does to you and me, because it destroys us. He hated it so much that he sent his son to die in our place, and there is a punishment that needed to be paid for what we have done, that the wrath of God was a real thing, but you see, the wrath of God was taken out on Jesus because he paid the punishment so you and I didn't have to. He took the whooping so that you and I didn't have to. So God isn't staring at you with a mean look on his face saying, you better not come to me. He's saying, look to the cross. Look to Jesus. Look what he did. He paid the price for you. The enemy has told you a lie that you can't come to God and that he is mad at you. Psalm 139, 17 through 38 describes God this way. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot even be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. You see, God isn't mad at you. He's mad about you. He was so crazy about you and wanted a relationship with you so badly that he sent Jesus to die for us. Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says that while we were utterly helpless, that Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good, but God showed his love. He showed his acceptance He showed his approval of you by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. He forgave the very ones who were crucifying him on the cross. He can forgive you. He accepts you. He loves you. He can and he will forgive you today if you will allow the barrier of fear to be broken in your life. You see, Jesus isn't in love with the future version of you. He loves you just the way you are. But he doesn't want to leave you that way. He's got greater things in store for you, and he has the power 
to change your life if you will simply trust him with it. But listen, the only way to overcome fear is to face fear, right? It's the only way you can overcome it. It's to face it. Some of you, you've just been so resistant to coming to Jesus, to fully surrendering your life to him. And today, I want to tell you, face your fear. Because listen, when you face your fear and you meet Jesus, the only thing you're going to find is a smile. The only thing you're going to find is open arms. The only thing you're going to find is grace. The only thing you're going to find is mercy. And he will accept you just as you are. And he will then give you the power and the ability to become who he created you to be. See, some people doubt. Some people are hurt. Some people are just afraid. And lastly today, a barrier that may be preventing you is this idea of change and control, where you think, I, I don't know that I can change. And you understand the thought of giving your life to Jesus, and you kind of get it, but it just doesn't even seem possible to you. You're like, I can't be like my mom. You know, she was such a good Christian. I can't be like my friend you know, who, who follows God and gets involved. You can't imagine not doing this and not doing that or doing this and doing that. And the number one lie that the devil uses to build this barrier that you can't change or that if you do change, if you do give control over to God, that everything, you'll have to give up too much. And he makes you focus on what you'll have to give up instead of what you'll get from Jesus. And listen, Jesus isn't going to ask you to give up something that he isn't going to replace with something better. You see, it's a lie. It's your perception. It's a, it's a false reality that you're living in. If I have to give up drinking, if I have to give up these things, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and they expect me to do this, expect me to do that, life is going to be boring. Life is going to be no fun. And you've bought that lie. You see, you think coming to Jesus is all about rules and regulations and these rituals that you have to perform that are, that are just going to restrict you and depending on your background and how you were raised and the experience you had with church and, and you think it's just going to become this checklist of do's and don'ts and I'm just going to have to show up and, and pay my, give a little money and check it off my to-do list for the week. You see, most people see God as limiting, that he limits us, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus came to liberate us. He doesn't restrict us. He sets us free to fully know who he is and what he created us for. John 10, 10 says the thief's purpose, the enemy's purpose is to steal, to kill and to destroy you. And he will deceive you and make you believe something that is not true in order to do it. Jesus said my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And some of you, you've never been satisfied. There's always been something in you that says there's gotta be more. There's gotta be greater meaning than what I have right now. And Jesus wants to teach you how to live for things that really matter, things that will truly satisfy your soul. You see, God never intended church. He never intended you coming to him to be a religion that you have to endure, that you just have to get through it, but a relationship that you could enjoy, that could change your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, come to me, right? He didn't say come to church even, although I want you to come to church, Okay. He didn't say come to religion, come to rules, come to regulations. He said come to me, everybody who's weary, anyone who's weary, anyone who's carrying heavy burdens. He said, and what you will find when you come to me is rest. Come to me, not religion, not a list of do's and don'ts. He invites you to come just as you are this morning. And Jesus will meet you right where you're at. And he's so awesome and he's so good and he's so powerful and he's so strong that he'll meet you right where you at and he will help you get to where you need to be. And you go, I'm so far from where I need to be. Well, don't try to do it by yourself. Do it with the one who created you. And if you will give him control, he can change you. 
And there's nobody better to give control of your life than the one who created you. Trust the one who knows you better than anyone else. In John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, anyone who comes to me, what will you find? They'll never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. You see, you can come to Jesus. And I know, because I've personally experienced it, that he will satisfy the longing in your soul to know the very one who created you, just like he did for Chrissy. Let's take a look. My life, my life was destructive. That was how I would summarize my life. That's what I did. I partied all day and every day. And I was erratic and I was destructive and I was careless and and I didn't care who got in my way while I was doing it. Um, I felt like I I didn't have a direction. I felt like I was going with the flow and a lot of times it was a bad flow. Um, I had a lot of really bad nights full of emotions and upset and depression and not knowing what I was doing and didn't know how to get out of it and... Um, I was dishonest with a lot of different people in my life that I wish I wasn't, and I was dishonest to myself. I didn't like to look at myself in the mirror. Um, it was a rough time. It was I, was, I was drinking every day. I was doing drugs. I was doing things I never thought in my life I would ever do because I was brought up better than that. That was my life. That was every day for me. I felt lost. I felt unsatisfied and empty. I felt like there was definitely something missing, but I didn't know what it was, and I was always trying to fill that void with the wrong things. Um, definitely lost. My family, my dad, is Catholic, but I never got anything from it. I went as an obligation. I went because my dad told me I was going. So when this came about and I, I thought, you know, church never did anything for me in the past. Why would it now? I mean, why do I need it is how I went about it. And so I decided to go reluctantly. I, I honestly didn't want to come. And that's why I didn't even tell anyone I was coming. I just kind of showed up. I was going to sit in the back, get it over with and say, you know, what? I did it. Not for me. But that's not how it went. It was, it's not how it went at all. I was so nervous. I was more nervous to come here than I, I, I've ever been. So I get here, I was late, I pull in, I walk in, I open the door, there's people greeting me, I'm like, okay, where do I go, where's the back row? So I come in, sit down, I shook the entire time. Uh, and honestly, I wish I could remember the message, because I'm sure it was great, but I, there were so many thoughts and emotions going on through my mind, and I just shook, and I felt like crying from the second the music started. But it, it just hit me, you know, and I, honestly, when I left, I knew I was going to come back. I knew I was. And I, I couldn't even remember what the message was about, but it was just the overall feeling that I had being there. I was like, I'm doing this again. I'm like the type of person that I have to see it to believe it. And so I wanted to know the facts. I wanted to study this. I wanted to read more about it before I just said, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm going to church. So I went to Barnes & Noble. Didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell my mom or anyone. I, I went and I was looking through the shelf and I just picked up a random book finally and I said, okay, I'm going with this one. Went home, I read I think the first or second chapter, looked down, 
and I had gotten a Bible from Nate and he I flipped it open and I was reading it and it correlated exactly with what I had just read in my first book that I got from Barnes & Noble which was The Purpose Driven Life. So they correlated exactly and I was like wow that is really weird okay whatever so next Sunday I came back to Adventure and Kyle was preaching and he put up the words on the screen and it was the exact verse from Purpose Driven from the same exact verse that I also read in the Bible. And I was like, okay, I hear you. Like, that was him. That had to be. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's not a coincidence. Out of how many scriptures are in the Bible, I read one in my life. <laughs> and that was it. After I accepted Christ, people began to see the change. And I, it, I wasn't greeted with acceptance from a lot of people. Because my friends were the ones that I was hanging out with, that I was drinking with, that I was going out with every night. And of course, they didn't want me to change my lifestyle. So, you know, I got a lot of rude comments. Like, I was just doing it for Nathan. I was doing it for my boyfriend. I was, you know, it was just my own dad said I was going through a phase in life. I mean, it's definitely been a journey. It's uh, every day I'd say is a battle because it's like our culture and life drags you one way and you have to kind of trudge the other direction. So every day is... I'm tempted. Every day is a battle, but it's if I could tell anyone, I'd say it's 100% worth it. I came just as I was. I was erratic, destructive, careless, and Jesus welcomed me in and gave me life, gave me hope, and I'll never go back to who I was before. From wherever you've been Come brokenhearted Let the rescue begin Come find your mercy Oh sinner, come near Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal So lay down your Later 
all of you who have the weight and cast your cares on me. You see, you can either carry your burdens or you can cast them on the one who died for you, who says he promises to carry him for you. So you're never too far from God to where you can't come from him. In Matthew 27, it says at noon, darkness fell around the whole land until it was three o'clock. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? See, he was paying the price for all of sins for mankind. And so then he shouted out again in verse 50 and he released his spirit. He said, At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, the tombs opened. See, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9 that there was a curtain, there was a veil, they called it, that separated the presence of God from the rest of mankind. And you see, when Jesus died in our place, the veil was torn, the curtain was ripped in two, and for the first time, anyone and everyone could come just as they were into the presence of God. And today, you can do the same thing. Not because of what you can do, but because of what he's already done for you. You can come into God's presence. You can come into relationship with him. You can experience all that he created you to be. Every barrier has been broken, no matter what it is. No matter if I mentioned it today or I didn't. Anything that could separate you from the love of God is gone. In Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, So then, since we have this great high priest who entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. 
This high priest of ours understands our weakness before he faced all the same testings we do, but yet he did not give in to sin. So let us come boldly, Hebrews says, to the throne of our gracious God. And what will you find? He says, there you will receive mercy and you will find grace to help you when you need it the most. No matter what barrier you have today, no matter how many doubts, no matter how many hurts, no matter how much you fear or whatever failure you have, today you have been accepted, you have been approved, and you've been invited to come to Jesus. But will you come? Will you come?